Hi, I'm Paul. And I'm Beck. And this is DVD Clutter. Is that how it goes? Basically. Okay. <laughs> In case you are unfamiliar, this week on DVD Clutter, we are looking at Ghostbusters. Yes, Ghostbusters it has come to DVD Clutter, the podcast where we watch a DVD from our collection and decide what to do with it. Yep, and this is one of yours, Paul. It sure is. This is a beloved uh, film of many, which we will talk about. Yeah. Later. It's got it. It's definitely got a, a, a fandom. <laughs> I just did the air brackets. I understand it's not a visual visual medium, <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely got got a group, and it was a phenomenon of the time. Yeah. It sort of lasted um, in many incorrect in, incarnations. Incorrect incarnations. Yeah. That we were say. Almost. Yeah. <laughs> but for me, I guess you know we'll go into the first bit where I talk about how I came across this DVD. Well, this was one of the early DVDs I got, and I just remember it was on it was on sale somewhere and would have picked it up. Would have seen it beforehand um, a few times on VHS. I remember um, hiring out videos at my grandma's when we stayed there. She lived at the beach when I was a kid and hiring out videos. I especially remember hiring out Ghostbusters 2. Oh, really? Yeah, um, because it had this ad at the start of the video from the Skin Cancer Council. Oh. It was Ghostbusters 2 and the Skin Cancer Cancer Council of Australia present you this message. Enjoy the summer, kids, but between the hours of 2 and 4, the sun's too dangerous to stay outside. So come I inside. I it was 11 and 3. Stay oh, under a tree. I can't remember. But it was, yeah, I thought it was between 2 and 4. Come inside and watch Ghostbusters 2. <laughs> then go outside again and enjoy the day. So... So anyway, I bought the DVD weird story with me with this one i'm sure i watched it several times as a kid but then i remember watching it a bit older and being a bit more scared from scared of it really? that um the librarian at the start yep spooked me out but um this is when we first introduced to one of the one of the, the first like um scene where a ghost is actually involved that's it oh i think that's probably a perfect time to go into a, a plot breakdown please as you can probably tell by my voice I'm a bit ill at the moment. Yeah, I haven't been possessed. This isn't a, this, this isn't a ghost version of Beck. <laughs> she still is alive and well. But because of that, um, I might give the breakdown this week just yes, to please. save your voice for the uh, analysis later on. Thank you. The very important analysis. Um, so, 1984, there's the Paranormal Sciences Department. It has three scientists in it. It's got Dr. Peter Venkman. Played by Bill Murray. Bill Murray. Um, Raymond Stance, played by Dan Aykroyd. And Egon Spengler. Uh, played by Harold Ramis. So, what a name. Uh, that's it. The three of them are working at this university on paranormal studies. So we are introduced to them just as they get a confirmed sighting of an actual ghost. And this is huge news for them. They go and check it out at this library. While they're out, the university shuts them down. Mm. So they're presented with this sort of awful situation where all their life's work is suddenly being proved, but they've got no means to back it. Mm. So they decide to go on the, into the private sector. Mm. And they become the Ghostbusters. That's right. They take out a loan on one of their mum's houses, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> Buy an old fire station and start um, offering to bust ghosts yep. for people. After a little bit of a tricky start, they finally get a call into a hotel where they meet a little grubby green ghost that I'm sure everyone's sort of seen before. It's the one who slimes them. Yeah, that's it. Slimer, I think they call him in the end. Probably. That's it. <laughs> anyway, and they catch the ghost and they become a huge success. That's right. They start getting calls everywhere all the time. While this has been happening, Sigourney Weaver... Um, playing Dana. Playing Dana. Is living in this kooky-looking apartment building in New York. 
and she thinks she sees a ghost. Mm. So she calls the Ghostbusters. Well, yeah, I think she sees a portal. Her fridge becomes a portal to another dimension. Yeah. She opens the fridge and it's all like That's fucked it. in there. Yep. So she calls the Ghostbusters and they take her on as a case, um, just as they're getting big. Bill Murray's character also has the hots for Dana um, and tries to pursue that as well. Yeah, something we will talk about that's later. Just, something we'll talk about later. So everything's sort of building up at this stage. They're starting to get to the bottom of Dana's case. They're becoming really popular. So popular that they hire on a new uh, Ghostbuster. Winston is the character's name, played by Ernie Hudson. As this is happening, the EPA, the Environmental Protection Authority, <laughs> yes. start to worry about what they're doing with the ghosts. They don't believe it all, and they shut them down. Yep. When they shut them down, all the ghosts are released into the city. At this same point, Dana's apartment opens up a vortex. She gets possessed by one... Zool. Zool. Her flat... Well, not flatmate. Her... Next-door neighbour. Next-door neighbour gets... Uh, played by Rick Moranis. Uh, gets possessed by another dog thing. Dog thing. Another <laughs> yeah. demon. Demon. That's it. Together, they open up a portal to this ancient mythical being that's going to destroy the Earth. The Ghostbusters have been put in jail for what they've done, but are freed because the mayor's worried about the mythical being. They go up, they start to fight it. It takes on a form of anything that they think of. Unfortunately, <laughs> Raymond thinks of the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. It comes to attack the city. They defeat it. Uh, everyone ends up happy. They go home. The end. Yeah, that's it. That's it. We play Ghostbusters the song again. Yeah. Very quick run through, just because I feel like a lot of people would be pretty familiar with this storyline. Not um, me. Oh, okay. Or well, at I least, am now. <laughs> yeah. Or at least sort of understand that there's people that bust ghosts. A big ghost come. That's true. They kill it off. Did I miss anything really that important in there? I don't. I think we'll get into the rest of it as that's, we kind of talk it. through. I, I guess. Yeah. It's. A, this has been a movie that that I've I enjoyed growing up. Never really thought a lot about it. Mm. Um, watching it now through a different lens, think a, a bit more about it. Mm. Um, I think uh, we'll, we'll go straight into your... Yeah. Do you want to talk about how you saw it now, or I guess? That's, that's, yeah. yeah, that's just it. Um, I, look, I still didn't, still enjoyed it. Yeah. Just before you get into it, how long had it been between watching it, do you reckon? I still think I would have watched it... I remember seeing it at the Astor maybe three, four years ago. Yep. Um, just watching it there. Yep. So I watched it again recently. Uh, I wasn't probably watching it with a, any sort of critical lens at the time, though, and just sort of, you know, eating popcorn and... Yep. Remembering, oh Enjoying yeah, stay puffed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a lot less to it, I think. I remember thinking that actually, I think, last time I watched it, and more so again this time. Like, very much it rushes to the point that they become the Ghostbusters, yep. then they bust the ghosts, and then the stay puffed thing happens. Yep. Like, it just, it's very pacey, it's very quick, it gets to the, gets to the end without a lot of um, substance. <laughs> yeah. But there's a lot of set pieces, and it's a bit of fun. I might speak for a second about its context in, yeah, in the time. Like, yeah, this was huge that so much money and, um, I guess, effects and effort were put into a comedy. That, that hadn't really been done before. Yep. And the fact that it did blew people's socks off. Yep. And I guess that's why it really grew that giant cult following yep. that it did. It was sort of... Um, Paving away, maybe. That's it. And it had a big merchandising push yep. at the same time. I remember reading about um, the production of it in shutting down this whole section of New York, which was, like, unheard of, yeah. essentially. Huge and unthought of. And they did all these big things, which, for like, for a comedy from, you know, the guys from Animal House and such, um, that was huge. Mm. So looking at it through that lens, it was, it was very big. And I was talking to my parents about it, and they remember it sort of being like, yeah, like, everyone thought, you know, oh, 
you know, sort of frat comedy, but mm. suddenly someone was putting effort into it mm. and it, it made it huge and enjoyable. Mm. Now, these days, like, the, the effects have all dated. Mm. Um, the plot is nothing much to leave it standing on. So it's not, I think, apart from the fact of its cultural impact, I would never say it's essential viewing. Mm anymore but which is funny because you when like i i had not hadn't watched it growing up but i had known about it just because of the cultural phenomena mm. and would have assumed that it was essential viewing yeah and i think a lot of people still still will and you know me saying this on a podcast isn't going to change anything, <laughs> but yeah it, it sort of is what it is yeah for the most part cut from a couple of scenes that we might pick up on later i find it mainly inoffensive but i'm not drawn to it in a way that i see it sort of as a anything of a classic apart from that fact of think of it in its time of yep. making such a cultural impact does that kind of make sense yeah for sure yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 what did you think um yeah i had a lot of trouble with this film and then had a lot of trouble thinking about it afterwards as well yeah <laughs> double backing on myself and like second guessing what i my initial reaction was and that kind of thing yeah so i hadn't watched it as a kid ever but i'd heard about it a lot which probably isn't surprising just a reminder to everybody that i grew up without television so no tv in the house so i missed out on a lot of these kind of things but don't know if i would have watched it anyway but i watched it um i remember one of my students in my first year of teaching one of my year nine students was like always super keen to watch this in film and tv and the year nine ten mixed class that i was teaching and so we watched it one day and i don't think i think i was a bit in and out like i was doing something else and i was watching i remember this do you remember this yeah you asked me if it was all right yeah i asked if it was okay yeah because it's rated pg so it is okay to watch like legally it is okay to watch with students and then just being just utterly shocked at the sexual innuendo. Oh, yeah. I, I remember messaging you because I just remembered, like, partway through the day going, ah, ghost blowjob scene. <laughs> yeah. It's too late. It's too late. I just forget about it. And as a kid, I don't think I would have ever picked up on But, I, like, I just called it sexual innuendo. But this, when I watched it, like, this time I sat down and fully watched it. I had my full attention. Mm. I was like, this isn't fucking innuendo. This is, like, in your face literal scenes of a sexual nature yeah (laughs) the scene we're talking about is uh raymond has a dream in the middle of the ghost phase that he's lying in a bed he sees a beautiful woman ghost she disappears and then his pants undo themselves his like belt buckle gets undone and then it cuts to his face and he goes cross-eyed yes you know in ecstasy yeah yep we get it oh my god (laughs) it's not they weren't subtle with it Oh my god. Anyway, so I remember being shocked by that and then obviously when I watched it this time I was trying to pay more attention and and I was pretty much I was in the mood to watch it as well. I was like, yeah, cool like a nice comedy da da da. da. Mm-hmm. And the first scene just got me totally offside and I couldn't recover. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. So in the first scene, the one Beck's talking about, Dr. Benkman has two subjects for an experiment in the paranormal um, section of the university. I'd say they're like grad students or yeah. something. They're oh, students at the uni. That's it. Students who have signed up to get extra credit yep. or money for their study. Yeah. And one of them's this um, dweeby-looking guy, and one of them is this um, stunning-looking blonde yeah. woman. And he is faking the results so that the stunning-looking blonde woman is getting everything right, yep. and the dweeby-looking guy is getting things wrong and yep. gets zapped. Yep. Yeah, and it's pretty gross. <laughs> it is disgusting. And I was just so shocked. I, don't, I think I wrote where to even begin in my notes, because I was just like, what the fuck? Like, I, it was just blatant exploitation of power yeah. from Veckerman, from Bill Murray's character. Yeah. 
and and the portrayal of this woman as this absolute idiot like as it was so fucking obvious that he was fixing the results and she's just like ha 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 sorry i can't laugh properly (laughs) she was like doing this laugh of like like oh i'm such an idiot oh but oh yeah i must be so um i must be so in touch with the paranormal la 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 and it just rubbed me the wrong way it just irritated me so much and i really couldn't recover from that and i don't know if i should have because there was it just kept on going down the hill it's it's such a weird scene to have in there too because it does really nothing except set up that they're at a university well i think it's meant to be setting up his character as like this as a sleaze yeah as a sleaze as like a like but it's not perceived as sleazy because it's man? like kind of yeah man? like a bit, little a bit of a like a rake you know yeah, the word rake yeah, like yeah. he's a ladies man and he's like doesn't care and yeah whatever and, you know yeah but he's still likable he's not like exactly it's meant to set him up as likable but yeah yes. you're right it puts you on the wrong foot it's never meant to he never gets punished for that behavior no like he never gets his come up and someone's like that in a film these days that you would expect that he gets some kind of like retribution for it, yeah. for his behavior yeah. like he he grows in some way whereas this yeah. character bill murray's character beckerman never grows he just gets the girl at the end and is rewarded for his disgusting behavior yeah um and i had a big problem with that and i couldn't yeah i just couldn't really get past it yeah i think i agree with you in that there wasn't much substance in the film and i think that's why i found it hard to forgive some of the more offensive parts because mm. there was nothing strong enough to distract me from those yeah so while i appreciate that it's like a romp in the park and whatever and they're off doing this action da, 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 there wasn't there wasn't enough substance or there wasn't enough interesting content that would keep me oh, i think engaged. yeah that's it looking through modern eyes too especially when you when you when you're going for that sort of tract of romp in the park as you said it feels glaring to include there's no reason to include those things which yeah. makes them feel yeah a bit worse well because i think i think they were meant to be funny like yeah. i legitimately and think they thought it was funny yeah but i'd say with, with the trend of the films that they were making like you know yeah. animal house oh yeah very much so, so and, you know, this yes. was their this was their style yes yes and i think the bits that we seem to remember from ghostbusters wasn't actually part of that you know yeah because yeah and it continues on with his guest stalking of dana dana um, yeah, so he he meets this character, um, Sigrid Thornton's character. Sigrid Thornton. Sigrid Thornton. <laughs> <laughs> Inexplicably, she's in this film. Yeah. <laughs> Sigourney Weaver. Sigourney Weaver's character. He meets her and like two two seconds later is like all over her yep. to the point where she has to literally push him yeah. out of her apartment. And he's like, bet you think about me later. Like, And she's like, get out of the apartment. Yeah. And continues on that trajectory. Yeah. But yeah, and that's, that's probably the worst bit there. And that bit's never really resolved um because she gets possessed and then suddenly she's possessed and at the end of it she's he like, oh, right, yeah. And he's, yeah. Well, does he? Like, they all say that. Well, fine, they all say yeah. that. Yeah, but um, that's true. They but it all that. it all wraps up so quickly at the end that you know you don't really get any closure. To no, that sort of stuff because you you're wowed by the giant marshmallow fight. I have to say, absolute favorite part of the film. Yeah, the marshmallow man. Oh yeah, I was looking forward to it the whole time, and then when it came, I was like, yes, marshmallow giant marshmallow man. Yeah, the best. And, and and that's just it. The set pieces are are fantastic yeah. i think it, all the ghost stuff even like the slimer scene oh yeah production wise there's just a lot fantastic to like about the film it's just that every filler scene that's done without ghosts you're just it's like, like uh, come yep. on yep you know? i love that the epa was the um yeah, environmental bad guy. protection agency was the bad guy <laughs> it is pretty good and i think oh whoever plays um he did such a good william job. atherton who plays walter peck 
yeah. is just fantastic. Yeah. And there's some of the best scenes are with him. My, one of my favourite lines is when um, they're trying to explain to the mayor and Raymond's like, then Dickless over here comes and turns it off. <laughs> that was improv, I thought. Was it? Yeah. And then, yeah, Bill Murray saying, yes, it is true. And this man has no dick. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of it was improvised. Yeah. Because they come, they all come from an improvisation background mm, and a sketch comedy background. Wind. It, SNL yeah. and um, I think Groundlings came later, so I think okay, it was sorry, yeah. um, Second City. Kristen Wiig's at Groundling. Ah, great. I'm pretty sure. Which we should talk about shortly. We'll talk oh. about the the new version of yeah, Ghostbusters. Yeah, I think we can't... We can't exclude that. We can't exclude it and we can't not talk about what what depths of humanity were drawn out by yes. that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, like, like Dana did call him out on his sexual innuendos but ultimately i think she still doesn't get um vindicated of, in any way it's almost the prototype for a strong female character but the the authors here and i guess the hollywood at the time didn't really know how to do it yeah They're like she says no once is that strong female yeah. is that is that <laughs> yeah. what i'm going yep yep, yep. good but then Done. she still comes around at the end right yeah yeah of yep. course yeah because our That's... nerdy lead has to get the gorgeous girl yeah yep but it, yeah, he's not even the nerdy one, though. He's just sort of... He's no, the, you're right. He's, yeah. he's the cool one. Bill Murray's character, you remember, again, from all those set-piece scenes and all the quips and all the funny bits, but, again, every sort of scene that wasn't one of those, you're, you're a bit like, that's a bit gross. Yeah. Um, yeah. The way he treated the receptionist. Yeah. Oh, my fucking God. Treats, everyone. Everyone. Just, you have... And it just... Maybe this speaks of the time as well. Like, I, he goes to her at one point, you know... Oh, she's complaining that she has. She's been working for two weeks and she hasn't had any help. And they've promised that she's gonna. They're yeah. gonna hire help. And he just goes to her. Oh well, you know, um, a lady with your talents could surely get a great yeah. job as a secretary or a house cleaner. Yep, I had that one down too. Yeah. I remember thinking that. And I'm like, whoa, that is that immediately ages the film. Yes, beyond anything else yep. yeah so there's a couple other things that just really made me feel like questionable that this film is rated pg and mm. i don't know if it would be rated pg now what do you think i still think it would be do you reckon yeah but there's so much sex in it but i think it, as much as we don't see it as innuendo at all i, I honestly think a lot a of it kid, would go over kids heads i i would completely. not i wouldn't want my kid watching this film yeah peggy you're not watching this film <laughs> Yeah, would okay. you? Uh, I I think there's a lot better films for kids to watch. Yeah, I, it's not. But I I don't I like. Look, I watched this a lot as a kid and just had no memory at all of anything except for. Yeah, but you're completely up. messed up. That is true. <laughs> My mum listens to this, you know, and she doesn't like it when we talk about <laughs> the raising of me. <laughs> Sorry, Linda. You were busy. You were cooking and you were working. There was double life there. <laughs> Your mum's a superwoman. Yes, she is. She Lin- so well, much when Linda you were a Linda Danvers is superwoman. That's yeah. actually Supergirl's name in the comics. Yeah. Wait, really? Yeah, 100%. No. No, really. Linda Danvers, Supergirl. Supergirl. Yeah. Not Superwoman. Yeah. Oh, okay. I believe that. Okay. Suddenly that's... <laughs> why? Because <laughs> I know Wonder Woman's name's not Linda well, Danvers. But Wonder Woman's not Superwoman. Oh, fuck. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I got confused. I'm very sick. I know, I know. <laughs> We've gone off point. Um, um, uh, yeah, I just I, like there's things know. like this bitch is toast. Um, she's a dog. The dickless thing, and then mm. referring to him as Mister Pecker. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty funny. Um, yeah, some of the line actually, some of the quips when they are fighting the so before the grand evil thing turns into safe buff marshmallow man, it comes out as like a Bowie esque. Yeah, very much inspired by Bowie, I believe. Um, yeah. Well, originally, found from one of the special features, just jumping ahead, that was going to be Pee Wee Herman. 
oh. um, was going to play it in as like a joke, but then they couldn't couldn't get him, so they had oh. this like androgynous. Yeah, she's a model, I believe. Yeah, from like Scandinavia somewhere. Mm. Yeah, but some of the quips during that were a bit off. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's kind of all I had to say until we get into the 2016 version. Do you want? To, should we talk about the special features and stuff before we go into that? Yeah, I'll, I'll give a quick chat about the special features. I watched some extended scenes. As is the case with a film that was made in 1984 on DVD, saving the cut film wasn't worth the money, so there's not a lot on there. Yep. There's a couple of little extra bits, yep. um, some extra lines. A bit more of a development of Harold Ramis's character and the secretary's relationship building. Oh, yeah, because they have this subplot of yeah. their relationship. And that's quite cute. It and is I, cute. I kind of wish they'd left some of that stuff in because it... In the film, it sort of seems like he's really brushing her off. Yes, it but, does. Um, with the scenes, it's sort of like it develops more that he's just really awkward around yes. around her, and yep. that's how he's showing yep. love. So I thought that was quite nice, and maybe they should have kept that in. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> it's a bit like um, we can have a nice, yeah. respectful male character in here, and <laughs> that's just it. So that was good, and then I also just watched a breakdown of the special features, and it really just highlighted that fact, that idea that they had a, the a reunion of a lot of the people that did a lot of the effects, and they were just like, "Yeah, we were so shocked that a comedy movie was got going money to, to do, do this. yeah, got to do this." Um, you know, they'd all just done Star Wars or things like that, and suddenly they were doing Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters, and they were kind of like it was a weird environment because you know it wasn't technically looking for realistic. Stuff yeah. it was being very cartoony. Did they like was that more freedom in some ways? A like bit, I can't imagine I then, would have enjoyed that. Also, they didn't have the money of a Star Wars too. So apparently, um, Ivan Reitman really wanted to see. Is it the Hudson River in New York? Yeah, yeah he wanted to see Stay Puft Marshmallow Man crawl out of the Hudson and oh. stuff. And they were like, "That would cost another two million dollars." <laughs> and he was like, "All right, how about he just walks down the street?" <laughs> you know. So those bits and pieces are like that that had to change the change the um, way the script worked. But yeah, they're all just like, yeah, a lot of tech went into this yeah. and that was just so weird for the time yeah. that it was allowed to happen. Yeah. But definitely worked. Yeah. And yeah, huge, huge team of yeah. artists, animators, model makers, wow. CGI, like, you know, very early days CGI. So yeah, very, very impressive on, yeah. on that level. Yeah. Oh, one thing that I really liked just from that was the librarian at the start. So there's a, a ghost librarian reading a book. Yep. Uh, because they wanted the book to look real and her look and the ghost to look like a ghost, they had to individually re-sketch on the book on every frame. Whoa! To, to get that to work. Wow! So just some of that old school kind of stuff. Dedication. That's like, yep. Yeah. Okay. How are we going to do that? Yep. Well, I've got an, I've got a way that will work. All yeah. right. We do that. You yeah. Know. And then we dedicate, you know, one person for this many yeah, months to do to that. do that job. <laughs> yeah. Which is huge. And they're all just so passionate about that movie magic sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and you'd have to be to yeah. be putting that much effort into it. Yeah, yeah. that's it. So it's, it's always good to see that it that, is. that passion. But um, yeah, they're the special features I watched. I just have one more question. Mm. Because I, like, I don't, you know, I, I constantly go back and forwards between wanting to look at everything with a very critical feminist eye. Mm-hmm. And, but I have this, the which is so ridiculous, and I hate that this is in my mind, but we are told again and again not to um like we're ruining it with being critical you know like can't you take a joke or just you know it's just a joke it's just for a laugh it's just a movie doesn't matter i don't know like with this one do you think and besides that like that always worries me and i'm sure other people have memories of being told to like you know it's just a joke can't you go with the flow whatever and you're like actually that's very offensive (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) and then you feel like a fun killer you feel like you know the party pooper because you can't laugh at some sexist joke or racist joke or whatever it is that's a big problem, I think, in our society. Mm. 
but it also I know that's such a big problem because it makes me doubt myself and second guess myself a lot Yeah. because then I'm like oh maybe I am just being too critical and maybe I should just (laughs) (laughs) maybe I should just have a laugh but in this one I was a little bit like are they doing it so overtly for a reason or was that just actually the the time I yeah I I get where you're coming from there I think maybe to an extent, but I don't think to an extent that probably justifies what was going on yeah. at all. Yeah. Um, I do do get where you're coming from though, and I think that is a, a delicate line to play, yeah. especially from a bunch of uh, white guys that, that wrote true. it. Yeah. To not understand that experience, but That's yeah, right. no, I, I get where you're coming from there. Um, as far as breaking everything down, I don't think I'd worry about that. I remember being at the Toronto International Film Festival. <laughs> And sitting just one seat away from Dame Elizabeth Jane, Jane Campion. Oh, I love yeah, Jane Campion. Yeah, I know. And she was breaking down each trailer that came up before a screening and just being like, fuck that, you know, that really? fixed woman like this. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, I love her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that makes me so happy. Yeah, that's just it. Peggy, um, did you hear Jane Campion is also a party pooper? <laughs> Yay. We were at a screening at The Martian. Oh, and what did she think? Yeah. Um, I, well, obviously I wasn't there with her. I was just very lucky <laughs> and kind of frozen because she was very close. <laughs> to me um, <laughs> oh my god oh my god i'm in the presence um, of greatness but i didn't yeah so i didn't turn around to like jane thoughts <laughs> at the end but i don't mind the martian i don't think yeah, i don't think the, I can't the really martian's remember got it, to be much that yeah i do get annoyed at that there's an ad on tv for ad astra oh, that new yeah. like space agey thing yeah. and i'm like fuck another one and there's another fucking man there doing his thing and space movies space They're movies done. <laughs> over i'm done um I'm looking forward to that, Astra. Yeah, so. <laughs> I hope it's good. But then I just got it. I did get annoyed at the women in the ad because it was like, this is a story about this man and his father was over there. And then at one point I hear a female voice being like, I'm so worried about you. And I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. Um, I haven't seen the ad. Oh, we should yeah. watch it. But um, yeah, as far as, uh, yeah, I guess the film goes, though, circling back around to it, I think we've talked about a bit about whether it holds up or not. And I think the, the case is really no. Without sort of understanding the context, it's hard to just yeah. sort of like throw it out on people. Yeah, I think if you if you are like interested in the growth of Hollywood and the development of certain styles and mm. techniques and growth of the industry as a whole. Yeah, whether I that be that special effects or whether that be comedy. Comedy as, as a whole, a, yeah. yeah. But if you're going to watch it just for the movie's sake. Yeah. Meh. As, as is always important, I'm sure we and people listening to this podcast know that media is rarely worth anything if it's just blindly consumed. And I yeah. think thinking about it contextually is always always important. Oh, you have to. Yeah. Yep. It is still worth talking about, though, not only the film and if it holds up, but also it, its legacy and how its legacy has held up or derailed. Yeah. And the biggest example of this was the 2016 version of Ghostbusters. Yeah. So... For those who don't know, 2016, they decided to remake Ghostbusters. Um, with an all-female cast? With, an, with Sorry, the Ghostbusters. An yeah. <laughs> with the Ghostbusters, this time, being women. Yes, so we had Melissa McCartney, we had uh, Leslie Jones, Kristen Wiig. Kirsten Wiig? Kristen Wiig. Oh, I've heard it pronounced both ways. Kay Wiig. Yeah. <laughs> and Kate McKinnon. Yeah. And first thing out of the gate, I haven't seen it. I, haven't, so. I also have yep. not seen it. So you're not going to get a full breakdown of that film as well. You're just going to get... I think what, what's important for us to talk about is the legacy of the original Ghostbusters and how the fanboys, in quotation yep. marks, responded to this remake. Yeah, and I think really what we're not talking at all about the film and whether the film was good no. or bad or anything. No, I haven't, haven't seen, seen it. it. Don't, Don't really know. have a desire to. No, never will. But... From its initial announcement all the way until its release, it was just torn apart 
yeah. on the internet yeah. by fanboys who had their childhoods ruined. Ruined. Utterly ruined. Yeah. And I want to talk a little bit about the whole culture of claiming that things ruin our childhood in a sec. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this was a whole backlash that happened as soon as it was announced that there would be female leads in this film. And, you know, to the point where, where these people were, you know, dedicating time to writing terrible reviews about the film that they hadn't even seen or downvoting it and on um, IMDb, you know, doing the thumbs down on the trailer on YouTube, all of this negative press, lots of people ranting and writing and they're not going to watch it and they're going to boycott it because it's ruining their childhood and it's yeah. not what the original was meant to be. And the bullying of all the stars too was, yeah, you know, harassment yeah. of the stars. Leslie Jones. Particularly quit. Leslie Jones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not only dares to be a woman, but a woman of colour. Oh my God. <laughs> A woman of colour on our screens. That's it. What the fuck? Actually, Donald Trump did tweet. Did he tweet about he tweeted Ghostbusters? About it. He tweeted about the Holy fact dooly. that yeah, he was like, an all-female Ghostbusters. What yeah. is happening? That's what he said. Uh, well, performing to his base, I really feel like <laughs> yeah, exactly. it. That's right. Yeah, so lots and lots of goings on about the the fact that this film was going to ruin people's childhood. Yeah, they that they dare to yeah. Yeah, and I think like I did a little bit of research into this because I'm so interested by mm. the fact that people get so upset I, by this kind of thing. I know. I, yeah, as, as someone who loves fandom and really can see all the benefits in it, for the last I think five years, oh longer, but really the last five years, it's been so con- concentrated. It, it's just become something that boggles my mind as to how it can become so toxic. Mm. But yeah, yeah. I, it's it's yeah I, I mean i was kind of not excited about the film first of all because i don't really didn't really know ghostbusters or care for ghostbusters second of all i'm sick of remakes yeah especially remakes with women because well i mean is that bad? <laughs> <laughs> but i just wish that i just think let's put our efforts and our time into creating a greater diversity of more interesting stories that happen to have women in them and it be about women rather than taking the time to do like another fucking Ocean's 8 or whatever that was with the women. Yeah. And I didn't mind that one. I didn't watch it because oh. I was just like, fuck this. <laughs> maybe that's bad. Maybe I should be more supportive. I don't know. And then I think, well, maybe, you know, for, for girls who loved this film, maybe this was really important. For mm. girls who watched Ghostbusters um, as a kid and then got to see the, the team be portrayed by women, like maybe that was really, really important and maybe that was awesome to see yeah. them, to see that women could also be Ghostbusters and and that was maybe what they were going for as well um, and then I saw like I just read some interesting things about the fact that a lot of people didn't like it. they were saying these articles that I was reading were kind of talking about maybe these uh, ghost bros which I love yeah we love we'll, it we'll now refer to the haters as ghost bros they didn't like it because the first the first movie was, is all about controlling women in a way and the second movie was about I mean the second movie the 2016 iteration is women taking back control and that's one of the kind of reasons that people were thinking that these ghost bros were finding out about it. So a lot of it does come down to the sexist. Yeah. And, and watching it now, because this is the first time I've watched it since 2016, watching it through that lens now, it really adds that extra grossness to it. And yeah. you think they're like, so these ghost bros were online trying to protect a film that had such uh, gross interactions with, with women. Yeah. And you're just like... So yeah, the childhood they're ruining is a childhood where you could be awful to women. Yeah. Like, is that like, <laughs> is that the bit they're ruining? Or yeah, because yeah, and uh, it classic thing with the remake sort of culture too, and that whole idea of you know it's gonna it's gonna ruin the original. 
I, I just never understand that. I, I never understand how a remake or a sequel can ruin an original because the original doesn't get banished from existence. And if it's a shit remake, it gets forgotten, you know? Like, yeah. you, you know they made a King Kong in the 90s? No. Yeah, like... <laughs> <laughs> no one does. <laughs> because it was shit and then people moved on and then Peter Jackson made one later that people remember. Yeah. Yeah, relax. You yeah. know. Oh my god, this is my chance to tell these bros to relax. Yeah. And like take a joke. That's and it. get over it. Yeah. And just go with the flow. Can't you even can't you just take a joke? It, oh, that's just it. It's brilliant. just it, it just yeah, absolutely confuses me to no end how you think that remaking something is gonna take away an original film. I, I have some that's a great lead in because I mm. might may have some answers for you. Yeah. Because I researched that and I read an article and there's a couple of things that they think are like are contributing factors to why this whole ruined my childhood in quotations yeah. culture exists because it's not just Ghostbusters like it's a lot of other things that people are claiming yeah. have ruined their childhood so there's a couple of different things that this author I read this article that was in the Guardian <clears throat> I read this article in the Guardian and it's called Your Film Has Ruined My Childhood Why Nostalgia Trumps Logic on Remakes and it's written by Dean Burnett they talk about some of the reasons that may be the case that people are so like up in arms about this kind of thing and nostalgia in general is very powerful um, and one of the reasons is that Ask because Don Asked on Draper yeah. oh true <laughs> one of the reasons is because apparently our memories are more vivid when we're kids Mm. Um, because we haven't, we're kind of new to making memories still. Like yeah. our brains are pretty fresh still. So some of the memories that we make then are remain vivid for a long time because yeah. they're not like being put on top of other memories. Yep. See how science I am. That's so science. So science. That's one of the reasons. The second reason is in like a fan, and you've done fandom studies, so yeah. you might un- know a little bit more about That's this. It. But I'm gonna have my hot take in a second. Good, too. good, yeah. good. Yeah, because they talk about the fact that it's self-contained. So once you feel like you know everything about a particular film or film franchise, you've got like you had three. Were there three Ghostbusters originally, or just the two? Just the two. Just I'm the two. Sure. So and you a had TV series and a TV series. Yeah. So you had those things, and then if you were a real ghost bro you like knew all of the things about ghostbusters and you knew who was who and what was what and you had control and you felt accomplished because yeah. you could quote that and this and this and you like you knew the world and you were like yeah i know the world and then as soon as something else comes in you're like oh fuck that's something yeah. new that i don't know now i'm gonna look like an idiot because i don't know that yeah. so you go oh fuck that that's ruining my childhood yeah um this one is i found really interesting because a big part of adolescent is um adolescence is forming our identity so mm. identity formation is like a core part of going through puberty and going through our teenage years um we struggle to kind of find out who we are and part of that is these um films and media that we consume at that time becomes part of our identity so then when something new comes along that doesn't fit in with our idea of ourselves but it's part of this franchise that we do consider as part of ourselves we kind of freak out about that as well because mm. it feels like someone's attacking our identity yeah um and i've got this i have copied and pasted a part of uh, another article that talked a little bit about this and i'll just read it out if that's okay yeah, go ahead. so it says uh, the underlining fear is fans of the original ghostbusters are no longer in control of what their fandom means as a reddit user put it in a post called childhood ruined i have this is what he says i have a ghostbusters shirt that i purchased a few years ago it is one of my favorite shirts Whenever I would wear it, myself and others get this fond feeling of nostalgia. The nod from a fellow fan when they saw the shirt was a nice connection to have with other people. Unfortunately, I no longer feel comfortable wearing that shirt. The reason is... (laughs) 
The reason is because the meaning has now changed. Instead of being a fun reminder of a time long ago, it is now a political statement. The good feeling, the, the good feelings that were once there are now tainted with the controversy surrounding the film, the new film. The pride of wearing the logo has now been replaced with frustration and negative feelings. And then the author says, what's changed isn't the movie or even what it means to the writer so much as what it signifies and what he thinks liking it says about him. And now if I like Ghostbusters, I have to worry about people thinking I'm a feminist Nuh-uh, no thank you. So that's kind of really talks to that identity. That yes, thing the, the political identity. message of the Ghostbuster. I mean, it's anti-ghost. <laughs> Fact. How dare it. It's got a big red cross through a ghost, <laughs> you know? That is not, that's so rude. Jesus. Yeah, so he's obviously, he's now he's like scared of wearing this shirt because people might think he's a feminist mm. because he's like, it just like that, that is an attack on his identity and he's obviously oh, yeah. not okay with that. But then just as a side note later on, he on the men's rights subreddit mm. men's rights subreddit he admits that it actually is because there's women in the new film yeah. it's just like oh. <laughs> yes um, yes men men's rights subreddit oh yeah um i'm sure that's a healthy place to be i think so yeah. i'm never going there oh god no the other the last little one is yeah, about yeah. scarcity and exclusivity so the fact that um not everyone was a part of this ghost bro- ghost bros not everyone is a part of ghost brothers world and fandom mm. that's part of it being exclusive probably mostly exclusive for men as well yeah for this particular film and then once that's broadened they lose some of that exclusivity so you don't feel as cool yeah anymore because you know it. having other people in your club exactly yeah it's not which as is anymore. so weird for uh, um i guess like an internationally distributed ip to think that you're part of a club yeah. like <laughs> yeah. just fucking get over yourselves yep. you know yeah 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 yep, yep. um like this film has been seen by so many people that's it and yeah. well, so what was your but, take on well, that? I think fandom in itself, and I think this whole like toxic masculinity within fandom, my hot take yeah, is that it comes from, I guess, the history of fandom itself. Like fandom started off as a, a very female driven thing. Yeah, okay. Um, and, and still still is um, in a huge way if in its online presence, in its convention presence, um, in cosplay, in, in fanzines, in blogging, it, but it really started off as a as a female female led sort of thing in a, a, an area where women had had a lot of power. Mm. How um, how did it start? Um, like you know the through the internet. No, no, through fa- fanzines and writing letters oh. and conventions and stuff. Wow. And if you look back on it, really, it was sort of soap opera sort of material. Like if you oh, think wow. all the way back to Dallas, yeah, is where um, I guess an idea of television fandom. I mean, fandom itself had been around for a long time. You know, you think of fandom and it. You go team sports, classic fandom. Yes, um, <laughs> we're talking pop culture. But fandom. we're talking yeah, pop culture fandom, and especially television fandom was you know writing letters and writing in your zines and talking to other members who watch your soaps. It sort of built from there, and it was very much I think yeah a, a female led community. Mm. Suddenly, with the sort of rise of the nerd or rise of the pop culture thing, men within that sphere sort of came into an area that females were in charge, mm. and that was very off-putting. Mm. So instead of building fandom, they very much became the, no, we have to take fandom, right. and we have to own it, and it has yeah. to be us. And especially, I guess, when you look at the general crowds that are absorbed by pop culture fandom, here is a population of men that might have been denied the dominance of masculinity in other fields of their lives. So if they've got a field now that they feel a connection with, they expect to have or they feel like it's their right to have. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's it. Entitlement is what they feel, to have ownership of it and be the gatekeeper of it instead. However, all this long history of fandom that was created uh, by women and um, had sort of a, a female 
led hierarchy to it and i think it's that displacement yep. and that sense of entitlement that just builds yep. this resentment and this really this gross rage yep. and it would they, like would you would you talk about rick and morty fans oh the yeah same, oh, 100%. in the same vein like that's the reason that's that. it and the, the the ones that really got me thinking about that was just watching some of the stuff on the star wars yeah okay things and you know the that there's a classic video of it's a classic now of <laughs> a guy buying a hundred different um i think ray action figures and then burning them <laughs> oh my god are you serious yeah oh, what the fuck? <laughs> i know <laughs> Just ridiculous Put your stuff like into that. Something else. Yeah, but I think it is. It's it's a it's a hey. It's now the time of the nerd. Oh wait, this community was already already someone's community. Yeah, we need but to take it. I need I need it. I need that. And it's that displacement and entitlement that I think builds up on it. Anyway, that's that's, know, that's, that's Paul's hot take. That's great. That's <laughs> that's really fascinating. And I think it speaks to broader. I mean, it always comes back to societal issues because we teach boys and men that they are entitled to things mm. and women that they're not. So then when these boys aren't fitting in with then then we have traditional roles of masculine femininity, masculinity and femininity. And when, when these boys aren't fitting into those traditional masculine prototypes or stereotypes, they find a place where they do fit in. Then they, then that entitlement. That's it. Comes they feel up. like they should be in charge. They, of it. Yeah, yeah. Because they still have that idea that society puts in place that men should be more dominant or mm. um, more in control than women. Oh, yeah. society's fucked, man. And we're about to enter into it. I just, I know it's, it's going to be a hard three months of discourse on. Have you heard about Joker coming out? Yeah. Like Phoenix Why? Joker. Why? What's happening with it? Oh, uh, the, the, you know, reviews initially coming out of it are like, okay, you know, well shot, well acted, clever sort of thought, but it's very much the tale of if a white man is mistreated, it's his oh. right to become. So it's a like, sense of all evil. I didn't actually didn't realize it was a origin yeah. story. So it's the origin of the joke. Yeah, and it's the problem. Right. The problem with it, and I think the problem with a lot of stuff that touches on pop culture is if you want to do it sensibly and have a discussion about what's actually meaning, because it has this cloud of pop culture behind it, you tread on a very dangerous line yep. of how it can be interpreted. Yep. You know, are you opening up a discussion about um, male entitlement? Or are you providing a blueprint something. to how it's supposed to <laughs> yeah. how it's supposed to be? Yeah. And I just think, yeah, we're gonna get some some weird stuff come from that over the next three months. No, I look forward to it. Oh, do ya? <laughs> <laughs> so we've deviated there a lot, I think, from Ghostbusters, but it is very important. I and think it's I, interesting I think too. For for a long time, this that case study of the the Ghostbusters remake will be Oh, um, studied. Looked if we at, talk about context, like yeah. that is an important context. And brought yeah, up and down. Totally. Um, it is very interesting, and one of the most interesting things I think coming out of it too is now they're they're making another Ghostbusters movie that follows from Ghostbusters two. With men again. With men. Yeah. Um, they're like, oh, sorry guys, you didn't like that one. That's oh, it. okay. <laughs> but you know, at the end of the maybe day, maybe they should just let it go. It's, it's a money. Yeah, but that's it. Let's Isn't just it? make some make some new films, yeah. like get some new stories. Yeah, but IP is just so so important. And again, now going on another rant by Paul is you do worry because with the Disney machine owning everything now, that any other studio they really have to chuck in these IP tent poles. Yeah. Because they need to survive yeah. when you've got 
Iron Man 6 through 7 and Pirates of the Caribbean 9 through 4 and Star Wars <laughs> and Avatar and yep. and all of all of those other ones in they need something that's going to at least be recognized when yeah. you're flicking through it's it's a worry the movies it is it's it's spiraling out of control yeah i mean I, that's why it's so, so important to um support the local our local cinema and our local um production yeah houses and and whatever because then we can maybe get some more diversity as well that's it and i think it is supporting diversity and i think that's a that's a very funny one that's sort of come up recently with spider-man leaving the mcu i don't know if you followed any of that oh my god at the end of the day you've got this giant behemoth of disney and then you've got sony which is you know it's not it's not tiny but it's small enough sony want to go make spider-man movies let them because do you want everything just to be made by yeah that's true yeah yeah that's true anyway um it's it's an interesting one Ghostbusters, though. Oh, yeah, Ghostbusters. We've, we've talked about it. We've talked about what it means. We've talked around it. We've talked yep. up and down it. Yep. What are you going to do with it now? Oh, uh, look, you know, this is one that definitely going to the op shop. Yeah. But for multiple reasons. The DVD was one of those early DVDs. There's not a lot on it that's, oh. that's very good. Even the image quality on it's not particularly special. Yep. It is a bit fun that you can see it's definitely come from some sort of print because it's still got all the imperfections. Yeah. Which you do miss out on these days when That's they true. digitally correct everything. But yeah, it's one that I'm going to be able to find. Yeah. Um, in no no worries about that. It's definitely on Netflix or Stan or one of them, I'm is sure. It? Yeah. Cool. So yeah, this one's going, going to the op shop though. I don't think it needs yeah. to be destroyed. Um, it's, it's not I'll a do Take it to the op shop. Yeah. Take it to the op shop, but um, can you get a marker and write M15 M15 plus on it? <laughs> Please. I think about it. Oh, or I might Strong have a, sexual references. A photo of your face looking... looking Disapprovingly. Just, yeah, yeah. Some of this is too rude. Well, is yeah. that it? Oh, we didn't even talk about the best bit about Ghostbusters, which is the song. Oh, do we need to talk about the song? Oh, very quickly. That's okay, great. Um, no, the only thing I'm going to say is if you get a chance, go on YouTube and find... They do a literal version of the video clip. They do them for a few songs, but instead of... They change all the lyrics to the song to instead talk about what's happening in the video clip. And it is just hilarious. So (laughs) give that a watch and yeah. Um, Very good. That's it. Catchy tune. Yeah, apparently it was part of it was stolen. There was like a whole drama about that. There's a big drama that it was stolen from Huey Huey Lewis. Lewis. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, everything's being stolen these days, pegs. Yeah. She's right here. She's ready. Like my childhood. Exactly. (laughs) Um, You've been listening to DVD Clutter. If you want to contribute to the conversation, which many of you have. Thank you so much. Go on to Instagram. Go on to Twitter. At DVD Clutter. That's D-V-D-E-C-L-U-T-T-E-R. That sure is. And you can also email us. Please do email us. Yeah, why not? Yeah. It's, DVD- an, it's becoming an outdated medium, but why not? I know. It gives you a bit more length to give us a meaty comment. Oh, um, and talking about comments, mm. maybe make like a review on our iTunes page. That would be much appreciated. Yeah. Um, and recommend to your friends. That would be great too. Thanks again mm. for listening. Bye. Are you being silly? 100% true.